0: Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Remain standing, please, from the reading of God's word. I'll be reading from the gospel according to Matthew in chapter 25, and I'll be reading verses 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed." And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word.
1: So, we have been going through the book of Proverbs. Um, we begin um, looking expositorily, beginning in chapter 1, and going verse by verse. And then, as we now get into this final, the main portion of Proverbs, the reality is that we've got to deal with it topically. But um, I've shared that my beginning part of the topical portion, the what I'm calling the pearls of wisdom... And we come to this segment is that we're looking at it via going through Proverbs 3 right now, and then we'll go on from there. And so um, we have, um, over the last couple of weeks, considered the Chesed Nemet of Yahweh in um, the desire for that Chesed Nemet to be upon us, his mercy and his truth, or his uh, faithful and trueness, that we are to bind it upon our necks. And then last week, we looked at the pearl of trusting in Yahweh, and saw that when we're trusting in Yahweh with all our heart, it really is a statement about whether we truly have confidence in His chesed and emet. We're going to be looking to verse 9 and 10 today, so I'd like to begin reading in verse 5. Okay, And Jimmy's reading is going to come up in just a moment. But Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 5 says, trust in Yahweh with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor Yahweh with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. If we really, honestly, fully, truly trust in Yahweh, acknowledging Him in all our ways, the chief way that we're going to do that by revealing a confidence in the Chesed Nemet of Yahweh is when we honor Him with our material resources. Our material resources. We'll talk about that in a moment. Matthew six, nineteen the the to thirty three is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is begins talking about laying up your treasures. You got two places that you can lay them up, right? You either lay them up on earth or you lay them up in heaven. If you lay them up on the earth, we're told Jesus says the moth, the rust, thieves are going to what? They're gonna they're gonna steal it and it's gonna be corrupted. But if you lay it up in heaven, it always Remains. Jesus then said on that, before we get to the, the part that you think I'm going to go to, where it says there, right? And that is, he says, If then, therefore that which brings a twinkle to your eye is darkness, how great is the darkness. There are things that bring a sparkle, a twinkle to your eye. It used to be, no, I understand Jesus Christ isn't my, my largest twinkle, right? But as a guy, it used to be talking about Steelers. Not so much anymore, okay? But, but you know if you brought up black and gold, because I bleed black and gold, right? If you bring it up, you're going to animate me, and we're going to start talking. Is that right, Zach? Even on job site. And so the, the reality is that we're going to talk. But the, the, the thing that ought to bring the sparkle to your eye the most is God himself. The opportunity to have a relationship in intimacy with the God who created the heavens and the earth. Now, then, Jesus said, you can't serve what? Two gods. Two masters. You can't. You're going to love the one in hate the other, you're going to serve the one and despise the other. You can't do both. There is no standing on the fence. You're on one side or the other. And you will reveal, by your lives, which side of the fence you're on. If you're on the side of worshiping and serving mammon, mammon literally is the things that money buys. It's not money itself. It's the things that money buys. That's what it is. We would bring it into our our terms today, our colloquialism, and call it materialism. If your God is materialism, if your God is material resources, if your God is stuff, that sounds awful, isn't it? But it's just a reality. Romans 6 tells us, you are a slave to to the one you what? the one you serve, the one you obey. And so, if you're on this side of the fence, materialism side, what am I going to see in you? I'm going to see somebody who is working and working and working and working and working and working and working really hard and working three jobs and working ten jobs in order that they would be able to get what? More stuff. But if you're on this side of the fence, so you guys are materialists. Anyways. <laughs> A bunch of liberals. Anyways. Okay. So... But if you're on this side of the fence, right? then the reality is that your desire is to worship Yahweh. Your desire is to worship Christ alone. right? And so therefore, what am I going to see in your life? Not just spreading the word. Not just spreading the word. You're going to have a desire for yourself to have a bigger piece of the pie. Now, I don't mean that pridefully and selfishly, but get it? You're going to want to spend time in his word. Why? So that you could get to know him better. And then the more you know him, then you're right, Chris. What's going to come out? Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. You're going to just start talking about him. It's just going to become natural. Does it make sense? Just like it's natural, for example, if you, you are so big into the stock market, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong to to, to, to to deal with that stuff, but if that's all you are, I mean, you've met people like that, Right? When you get together, what do they like to talk about? Stock market. I mean, talking about animation, that's all about them, right? But if it's only a toll, it's only a, a toll. But this is reality. So, you honor God the most in how you use your material resources. I had Jimmy... Read the passage this morning. Doesn't sound like it was anything to do with Proverbs, but it was intentional and purposeful, because Jesus gives that parable about a master. and in the in the in the analogy, who's the master? God is. Okay, so a master goes away, but before he goes away, he gets three of his stewards or his servants together, right? And he gives to each one of them f- one five, one two, one one. Does anybody remember in the reading? How he gave it to them. To Good job, Steve. According to their ability. According to their ability. He didn't overtask the guy with one. He didn't expect the guy with one to get what? Five. Does it make sense? He knows each one of us, he knows what we're capable of. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom least little is given, little is required. Makes sense. But God expected something from each one of them, and what did He give them? He gave them material resources. He gave them talents. Now, talents at that time were silk, was silver, and that kind of stuff. But it comes over really nice into our language, right? When we think about talents, because it isn't just money, as we're going to see. It's resources. You honor God in the use of your material resources. Primarily, we're talking about finances. But that extends into everything that I theoretically own. I said theoretically because I don't own anything. Mindset. I am only a steward. The master owns everything. And he gives me of his assets... For me to steward for his glory. So that when he comes back, I keep nothing. Do you get it? I mean, how much, you know, the the guy with five, you know, God comes back, the master comes back, and he says, well, here's the five you gave me, and, well, here's three, because I know two is my cut. Yeah, we laugh. It doesn't happen that way, does it? No, he comes back, and he gives him what? The five plus the five. Now, it's up to the master if he wants to what? Reward him. I want you to remember that. It's up to the master if he chooses to reward you. Elsewhere, Jesus gave the parable where the, 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 master, the, the servant comes back and he says the servant should expect anything nothing because why? He only did what was required of him. That was his task. God has given, as we come into this passage, I want to lay the foundation here. God has given us, graciously given to us, of his assets, not for us to think we own it, but rather for us to invest for his glory. And as we begin many, many years ago with the key thought of change the way you think, the word metanoia in the Greek literally means change the way you think. It is translated into the English as? Repent. Repent. That's what Jesus said. Repent. Change the way you think, for the kingdom of God is at hand, has drawn near. As Americans, we struggle so much in this area. Jesus could have been here today sharing this passage with us. Because the God of America is the God of materialism. And we ultimately, we can say this because, you know, intellectually we can say this when we're covering church and we know the book answer. But we need to get the mindset that we are only stewards and not owners of what God has graciously bestowed upon us. When you get that mindset, the rest of this message will fully make sense. But without that mindset, this becomes a battle. We're going to end with 2 Corinthians 9, or in that ballpark where it says God loves a what? Cheerful giver. That's where we're going to end. So you just know where we're ending, right? Not begrudging. But that tends to be us sometimes if we feel like God wants a bigger portion than what I feel he ought to have. So we go back then into this command that God has given. It's not a request. This isn't a statement of fact. This is a command. This is an imperative. God speaking to man. Sometimes we like to give God imperatives. It doesn't work that way. We can plea. We can beg. But really, commanding, it doesn't happen that way. But God commands us. And his command to us is to honor him, honor Yahweh with... Note the two things here. I put them in parallel so you can see it. Sometimes it's hard to see things when we read it in their like in paragraph form. But we're supposed to honor Yahweh with our possessions and honor Yahweh with the first fruits of our increase. We want to talk about those two commands. It's one command in two parts. But the first one is to honor Yahweh with our possessions. The word possessions there is the the Hebrew word hon, which literally means wealth or substance. Now, it becomes wealth from the perspective of context, but literally it is substance. If you don't mind, I'm going to use a more colloquial term. It's stuff. It's stuff. It's substance. Because you're going to see in some passages, as we go through this, and we've got a lot of passages, and I forgot I want to do this. So, um, Justin, you want to help me out? Anna, you want to help me out? Okay. I think I made 24 copies. So, like, give every family one or two or whatever, okay? So, you're going to want these, okay? Um, I sent these out for you guys on Zoom as well. This went out via email. Um, I'm not sure, did you send that this morning, Steve, or when? It went out this morning. So, um, but if you got the Zoom link and you're on this morning, that means that you already got your email. So, you got the email with the sermon note sheets as well. Um, So, there are um, two pages, front and back, one page, one piece, paper, um, with these these verses, okay? We're going to go a lot of verses, okay? A lot of verses, okay? Fine print, yes. And so, anyways, so they're there, and I'm going to use this a lot, okay? i have some on the screen, and so I'd love to have you turn in your Bible, so you can look ahead if you want to look at it in your Bible. I'm really good with that, but because I know I'm going to fly like the, um, um, the the FedEx, yeah, the FedEx commercial. Anybody remember those FedEx commercials? That's what I'm going to feel like, so... You can do this on YouTube later. Slow down the video and listen to what I really said, okay? Um, see if there's any backmassing going on. All right. So, um, this term is best understood from Ezekiel 27, okay? So, you have them on your sheet, okay? Ezekiel 27. This is where um, Yahweh is is discussing with Israel um, regarding their dependence upon Tarshish and Tyre, okay? And now he begins to... To literally speak, specifically to Tyre as well, okay. In this, and you're going to see Tarshish. and so um, in in it Tyre, you need to understand that Tyre was the was the traders of the day. Um, they were wealthy monetarily because everybody would trade through them, okay. And so that's the context of where we read. So Ezekiel twenty-seven beginning of verse 12. Tarshish was your merchant because of your many luxury goods. So you can see I got that in green there, bold. That's our word, luxury goods. You could put in the word stuff because of your much stuff. They gave you silver, iron, tin, and lead for your goods. Javan, Tubal, and Meshach were your traders. They bartered human lives and vessels of bronze for your merchandise. Those from the house of Togamar. Traded for your wares with horses, steeds, and mules. The men of Dedim were your traders. Many isles were the market of your hand. They brought your ivory, tusk, and ebony as payment. Syria was your merchant because of the abundance of goods you made. They gave you for your wares emeralds, purple, embroidery, fine linen, corals, and rubies. Judah and the land of Israel were your traders. They traded for your merchandise, wheat, of mineth, millet, honey, oil, and balm. Damascus was your merchant because of the abundance of goods that you made. Because of your many luxury items, with the wine of Helbon and with the white wool, Dan and Javan paid for your wares, traversing back and forth wrought iron cassia, and Cain were among your merchandise. Note what, what we're getting here is there's a widespread... It isn't just money. This is a widespread of things. Make sense? These are, again, material goods, Okay? Um, where was I at? Verse 20. Dedan was, was your merchant in saddlecloths for riding. Arabia and all the princes of Keter were your regular merchants. They traded with you in lambs, rams, and goats. The merchants of Sheba and Ra'amah were your merchants. They traded for your wares, the choicest spices, all kinds of precious stones and gold. Haran and Hana, Eden, the merchants of Sheba, Assyria, and Chomed were your merchants. These were your merchants and choice items, purple cloths, embroidered garments, chests of multicolored apparel, and sturdy woven cords which were in your marketplace. The ships of Tarshish were your carriers of your merchandise. You were filled with... You were filled and very glorious in the midst of the seas. Your oarsmen brought you into many waters, but the east wind broke you in the midst of the seas. Your riches, again, you could put in your what? Your luxury goods, right? Your stuff, wares and merchandise. Your mariners and pilots, your cockers and merchandise. All your men of war who are in you and the entire company which is in your midst will fall into the midst of the sea on the day of your ruin. And then he's getting into a little bit of the prophecy. I'm going to end it there. You can continue on seeing the very last thing. It comes up again. But enough to get us to Understand the concept, the fullness of the concept of this word, okay? It doesn't mean just money. It's materialism. It's your material resources. It's your stuff. Make sense? People say, well, you know, Americans, we got it rough. It'd be better to be in Africa or in, in Asia where they don't have much. Do you know what? No matter how what you have... You still start to become what? Possessive of it. So it doesn't matter, again, if you got one talent or if you got what? Five talents. You're still required to do what? Go and invest, go and use it. You may not be required to make the millions or to, to do whatever with your stuff that the guy with five is, but you're still required to take that merchandise to take that material resources and to use them for what? God's glory. That's exactly right. The meaning of the term. The usage of the term. I break this into two. As, I, as I've as i gone through all these things, remember I shared in Sunday school that we're learning how to do inductive study, but when I teach, I teach deductively because I've already done my inductive study. I've put it together and, and kind of brought it, and now I'm bringing it back to you. And, and it's... Well, that's really what it is. It's like the mama bird feeding baby birds, right? I mean, I'd rather eat the worm than eat the regurgitated worm. Anyways, and so, or steak. You know, I'd rather eat the steak than the regurgitated steak, right? But this is what's really happening, okay? So I bring it back in. Since I like outlines, I think in outlines. It's just kind of how it plays out for me. I just, everything comes back in an outline, okay? So, in my mind, I broke it into two two areas. There's the futility of trusting in wealth. Note, I'm changing my term here. Because, again it becomes used as wealth in certain scenarios, right? So, the futility of trusting in wealth. So, Proverbs 10, you're going to have these verses on your sheets as well, and uh, these three are going to be up on the screen, but Proverbs 10, verses 15 and 16 states, the rich man's wealth, okay? And so, the rich man is a man of Osher, or Asher, okay? And that literally is a man of wealth, of money-wealth, okay? So a share is literally talking, when we talk about wealth, we're talking about money-richness, okay? So you're going to see some of these words play out. As we come through there, you're going to see a lot of these words I've got highlighted and colorized and stuff like that. It helps me as I study, and I can look at these things, and I can see how trends are being brought out, words are being brought out and used, okay? And so I thought decided to let you see that as well. Hopefully it would help some of you if you're just as visual-oriented as I am. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The s- destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous leads to life. The wages, tabuah, we'll talk about that word in just a moment, of the wicked to sin. Parallel passage to that is in Proverbs 18, verse 10 to 12. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to it in our safe. The rich man's osher... His wealth wealth, is his strong city, in like a high wall in his own esteem. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. Before chabod, honor. That's the, the word to honor God with your resources, right? This is our word. So, in before honor is humility. So, i got to go quickly through here, but as we look at these passages, the one who is really trusting in his wealth, that's his strong city. Do you get it? But a believer, one who is fully trusting in God, though he may have some of this, it's not his what? It's not his strong city. Where's the place that the believer runs? To Yahweh. Yahweh himself is his strong tower, not his monetary resources. Because ultimately, they're not his anyway. The Lord giveth, The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who said that? Job. Job. That's exactly right. Job went from being a millionaire, according to us, right, to what? Being a pauper. How fast did that happen? Pretty fast. Overnight, the stock market crashed. Major crash. Great Depression. had all his resources in one basket. Well, he had multiple. But God what? Took it all down, and he went from nothing. Job's response was to worship God. The Lord gave it to me. The Lord took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It never was what? Mine in the first place. It was always his anyway. He chose to take it away from me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the righteous man, the righteous run to it, and they are safe. Okay. Proverbs 11, verse 4 to 6. Riches, stuff, materialism, do not profit in the day of wrath. I never saw a blank behind the hearst. U-Haul. <laughs> you never see the U-Haul behind the hearst. Because you can't what? Take it with you. Isn't it amazing how... You know it. You know this. Riches, stuff, materialism, material resources do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless direct his way... Alright. Oh, Remember? Because you trust in Yahweh with all your heart. You lean not on your own understanding. You acknowledge Him in all your ways, right? So the, righteous of the righteousness of the blameless will direct His way aright. Where's my righteousness from? From God. It's not my own righteousness. It's not self-righteousness. But rather, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells me that I've been bestowed, gifted, the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of God has been placed upon. So, this righteousness here, the righteousness of the blameless, is not his own righteousness. That's not self-righteousness. That's the problem of the Pharisees. The Pharisees thought it was what? Their own righteousness. But you've got to understand, this is the righteousness of Yahweh that's been what? Imputed upon my life. It's not my own. So, the righteousness of the blameless will direct his way, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfa- unfaithful will be caught by their lusts. Ouch. So, secondly, though, we have the identity of true wealth. The identity of true wealth. Where do we see that? Proverbs chapter eight, verse eighteen and nineteen says, "Riches, Osher, share in honor, Kabod, are with me." Who's speaking? Proverbs eight. Who's speaking? Wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom personified. Okay, wisdom personified. Wisdom is speaking. Okay? And so she says, riches and honor are with me, enduring treasures, enduring substances, enduring riches in righteousness. Isn't that kind of fun? What does that sound like to you? I already mentioned it. It was probably about ten minutes ago, so you have a little excuse. Matthew chapter 6. When Jesus said, do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather lay up your treasures where? In heaven. Wisdom says, look, um, riches and honor are with me, enduring what? Riches. What are enduring riches? Treasures you're going to take with you. That's exactly right. That are laid up for you, right? My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue tabua, again, we'll talk about that in a moment, than choice silver. Oh, I forgot. Proverbs 13 is at the bottom of that. Proverbs 13, 7 and 8. There is one who makes himself rich. Again, this is talking about material, or not material, but um, actually money, wealth. Yet has nothing. In one who makes himself poor, yet he has great riches. The ransom of a man's life is his riches, his money. But the poor does not hear rebuke. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth, substance, stuff, gained by dishonesty, will be diminished. But he who gathers by labor will increase. Rabbah. Well, you're going to see that word a lot. rav, Rabbah. Abundantly. To have abundance. To be great. Okay? Is there to be enlarged. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. Through wisdom, khokmah, a house is built, and by understanding, tabuna, it is established by knowledge. The, at, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant stuff why did I highlight Kochma uh, and uh, and tabuna and daath you remember why so why, why do I have Kochma tabuna and daath there good the different forms of knowledge or wisdom we spent many weeks talking about those three okay and how they interrelate okay that God gives those things to us okay so here it is wisdom says I have these things and if you have these things if wisdom and understanding and knowledge right then you're gonna have what? A house filled with stuff, but not earthly stuff, okay? Because this is a heavenly house, and that means your your tent, your house, is going to be filled with precious treasures. God's not promising you. This isn't health and wealth. Make sense? God's not promising you a million dollars. What God's promising you is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, Something and self control. I thought I missed one in there. Gentleness. That's how I have struggle with. Gentleness. I'm still there. Anyways, gentleness and self control. Okay. And so, that's God's promise. If you spending your time in there, you're getting His wisdom. Man, you're going to start exuding this stuff. It's just going to be evident all over the tree of your life. Okay. So, secondly, though, because I got to fly. Um, honor Yahweh not just with your possessions but with the first fruit of your increase now the meaning of the terms is important here because it's translated at least in New King James and in most of the other translations as first fruits but it's a bad translation it's not it's not first fruits literally it's the beginning it's Rashith okay it's used 51 times 49 verses you can go check me out on this okay um, but it's used there in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning it's not the first fruits the, the, literally the term for first fruits is the word bikor. Okay, and so Proverbs 1-7, we looked at it already, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, okay, in the Psalms it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. These verses that are here that you can look at later, I don't have time really to go into them right now, are verses where Yeshith and Bechur are used at the same time, okay, Talking about the beginning of your first fruits, okay, the beginning of your crops and first fruits, okay, and so there is the concept where we're going to talk about that. This word yashith, Rashith, here is discussing your first fruits, but don't let that um, pigeonhole you. Does it make sense? This is the beginning of all things, of all your increase, okay. So every time you get an increase. You what? Honor the Lord Lord with the beginning of it. That's exactly right. Okay? So, second term, here's the word Tabua that I mentioned that we were going to look at. Okay? And uh, it means to increase or to have income or to do produce. Okay? On your sheets, you have Leviticus 25. And what I want you to note, because I really don't have time to read through all this. Okay? But you'll note here how many times in red you see it. Okay? So you see it there in verse 3, um, verse 7, verse 12, verse 16, verse 20, verse 21, verse 22, okay? And all the way through there, you can see it talks about gather its fruit, then it's all its produce. You shall eat all its produce, um, the, the year of the crops, nor gather in our produce. Um, it will bring forth produce and eat old produce until its produce comes in, Okay? So, literally, in this passage, what would you say it is? Literally, in this passage, what is it? Say again? Food, produce, crops, okay? But, again, that's because he's talking about bringing in those, okay? So, the again, the idea here, though, is that when... So, I'm looking at you, Curtis, and you, you planted a crop of corn, right? And so... What happened in, I don't remember, whatever time I came, April or May, when, when did I come out there? June, June, okay, what happened in that May, June time frame? Well, it was growing, okay, what, what, what did you first see? You saw just a little sprout, right, okay, and then you knew, whoo that kernel was what? It's sprouting, okay, then what happened? It's starting leafing out, getting more leaves. All right, it's starting to look like something. But really, that wasn't what you're looking for, because you weren't planning on using it as floss, and you weren't using it as salad, okay? So, all of a sudden, start, something else started to happen. What started to happen? Tasseled it tasseled out. Ah! Now, tasseled out. They're thinking, tasseled out. That sounds like graduation. So, uh, so we're not talking about graduation tassels. We're talking about what? The that comes we're talking about the pollen that's on top of the ear of corn, Okay? Or the stock, right, okay. And then all of a sudden, the fruit actually starts growing on it, right? And then there comes a time when the fruit is ready to what? Pick. Pick. Now, you planted one kernel, didn't you? Were you hoping to get one kernel back out of that stock? Not at all. (laughs) Does it it make sense? I mean, think about it. That's kind of silly, isn't it? Because then you never get any food because it's just a one-for-one. But when you plant that kernel, what are you hoping to grant? An increase. Yeah, so hopefully 300, okay? So he's, he's got in his mind, he's got an amount that he's hoping for, okay? But that kind of, sounds like Jesus, right? About the, the, the sower went out and sowed his seed, and some of it fell on a hard soil, some of it fell upon a stony soil, some of it fell upon a, the, the thorny soil. None of those really what? Produced. They didn't give a what? Increase. But some of it fell on good soil, and some of it produced 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. The idea is uh, the, the what? The increase. So... It wasn't just the crop. It was the increase. So he went from one kernel to how many kernels? 300 kernels? So from all the, the ears of corn? Really, that's all we get from that is just 300 kernels? On one plant, 300 kernels, though? One ear of corn is 300 kernels? Really? That's amazing. Sometimes, you'd be, yeah, sometimes you get more one ear on a stock, right? That's really a bonus. That's really kind of exciting. Okay? So, so think about that. Okay? That's your increase. Okay? So just using an ear of corn as an illustration, he had a 300% increase. Am I saying that right? I hope I'm doing that right. Huh? 300 times. Yeah, 300 times. Yeah, I'm probably not saying it properly. But you get what I'm saying. That's his increase. So according to this, he's supposed to begin giving based upon that increase. Do you get it? That's the idea. That was his crop, and so that was his increase. Now, other than Curtis, because that's really not his main life, livelihood anyway, right? How many of you are farmers? Now, Sherry, you used to be out there, right? Okay. But you guys, you still, you did cattle, and, and the corn was on the side because it was helping to feed the cattle and that kind of stuff, okay? The reality is none of us are farmers. We don't live that agrarian lifestyle as a whole, okay? That's hard for us to comprehend, so you've got to take this and you've got to bring it back, right? Every time that you get what? Paid, paid money. Somehow. It, not necessarily paid. Because sometimes it's what? No, it's not. Well, someone gives it to you, but it's not pay. Pay, in my mind, means it's a wage. I earned it. And so you may gift it to me. Okay? Illustration. Many, many years ago, there was, I had a redneck mentor, okay? And so I was his mentor spiritually, and he was mine, rednecking ones. So, but no, and I, I joke about that, but I praise the Lord for him, because he taught me how to fish and hunt, and it was great, and you guys know that, right? So I was out. He taught me how to hunt, and I was out. I was using his overalls, his gun, his bullets. He sat me in a spot, and over the time, I, I learned which way the deer were coming, and so I went over the ridge, and I was sitting just by a pine tree. The very last day of hunting, I'm going to say this on tape, and, but I, anyways, I get myself in trouble, but this is a statute of limitation. Hopefully, anyways, <laughs> I got three doe in one sitting. That flock heard whatever. I don't ever know how a group of deer can call. Anyway, kept coming back. They just kept coming back for more. I mean, and literally, they were from the last time I shot was from me and to I mean, I mean, you know, and it's like I mean, it saw me. It barked. It did everything. It did all that kind of stuff, and it still hung out for me to. Get meat. I believe in that. I believe in first fruits. I believe in the increase. I believe the beginning belongs to Yahweh. And so I knew that if the Lord gave me one that year, that I got nothing, technically, because it belonged to him, and it was going to be distributed elsewhere. I also knew I was using somebody else's bullets, somebody else's guns, somebody else's everything, right? And so if I got a second one, in my mind, who did it belong to? Greg. Because, really. And so, what a blessing it was. So, Greg comes down and says, I can't believe it, man, you got two on your first one. I said, well, I took a shot at a third one. And so we went looking, and sure enough, there she was. You know, she had two bullet holes in her, because I shot her twice. Anyways, um... Anyways, so that's another story. You can talk to me about it. But anyways, but it was kind of cool. And he says, oh, man. He said, I cannot believe this. He says, you know, this has never happened. He says, now the bad news. I said, what's the bad news? He says, you only got two bag limit. <laughs> yeah, whoops. And I said, that's okay. That's okay. One of these are yours. He's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." No, no, for real. For real. And then I explained. This is what I believe. The first one was God's. The second one was yours. God just blessed me by allowing me to have one. How cold is that? You cannot outgive God. Okay? So, um, so, I can tell you the rest of the story later. But this is your increase. This is the... the, the whatever it is, whatever realm it is, for me, at that day, it was deer. Make sense? Okay? Um, I don't know if I've ever actually blessed people with my squirrel that I get. So, um, I'm not, I think people reject my gift. Anyways, so... Um, the meaning of the statement, though, comes when we again look at this concept of first fruits, which is very, very important to me. Okay? So it's going to start in Genesis 4, and you're going to see um, we really don't have any of our words in it that, from Proverbs 3, but it begins to build the foundation of where we're at. In Genesis 4, is um, they're kicked out of the garden, and we're told and then pro, that Adam knew his Eve, his wife. She conceived, bore Cain, uh, acquired a man, okay? She bore Abel. But then we want to pick it up. Verse three says, "In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering, and you can see it says mikha of the fruit of the ground to Yahweh. Abel also brought of the firstborn bikkur from bikkur of his flock and of their fat. And Yahweh respected Abel and his offering, the mikha, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, mikha. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So many times, and again, I don't." I, this, I'm not going to lose sleep over this, and I'm not going to fight you over this. Okay, I'm not being pugnacious on this, but I believe this is true, and this is why I'm bringing this up because I think we miss the intent of this passage. This has nothing to do with a blood sacrifice. Okay, look at the terms in Hebrew. There are multiple terms for sacrifices. Okay, in a she is an offering made by fire, and olam is a, a is something that is wholly given over to destruction. In the Book of Leviticus. A burnt offering is an olam. If an offering is then made by fire, it is an ashi. The fellowship offerings are minchaz. A generic offering is a korban. Okay? There is then zabach. Zabach is the word to slaughter. So, like, if you're just having a barbecue, and 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 so you're going to slaughter, it's a zabach. Okay? So, there are multiple terms in the Hebrew To discuss what an offering is, if this was all about a a blood offering, okay, that Cain's wasn't accepted because he didn't offer a blood sacrifice, then it would have been an olah. It's not an olah. Painfully, painstakingly, we're told they brought a mincha. Abel brought a what? A mincha. If Abel brought an olah, I'm I'm with the, the 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 common translation. Okay, the common interpretation, but everything is a mincha. Here is the key for it all. Abel brought the firstlings of the flock. He brought the beginning. He brought the first fruit. He brought brought the best. What did Cain bring? Some of. No, no, well, not. So you're focusing on that. He remember Cain was a tiller of the soil. Abel was a herdsman. They each brought of their ing- increase. That's exactly. Right. He just brought leftovers. He didn't bring him the firstlings, the first of the of the of the of the crops. Didn't bring God the best. He brought God the leftovers. Do you see where we're going with this? God doesn't want your leftovers. That's why we don't pass a plate. It's not a matter of forcing people to put money in a plate. If this isn't an act of worship, the reality is it doesn't belong to God. You shouldn't come to God. I mean, because you're not going to buy God off. There's a box in the back. If you want to worship God by, by giving to his work, you can do that. And many of you do. But again, it's going to be a reflection of your heart in your relationship with Him, of what you want to do with the resources which He's blessed you with. And far be it from the church to extort the people to to do that. Second Chronicles thirty-one. You can see how long this is. Okay, again, don't have time to get into all this. But if you look at the passage where I want to really highlight is that Hezekiah was um, appointing the priests and the Levites, okay, to do their job. Okay, that the Israel had gotten away from bringing in the, the the their 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 tithes and offerings, and so he, uh, Hezekiah um, gets back to it, gets the people back to it, and look down into verse five. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance. That's our word rabah that I talked about earlier. They brought in abundance the first fruits, the beginnings of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the increase so they brought the beginnings of the what increase do you see where this plays plays out no the increase of the field and they brought in abundantly again rob the tithe of everything now all of a sudden we have this beginning of the increase being tied to what a tithe okay literally the tithe means what a tenth okay that God says he wanted the first tenth. And again, I'm not preaching on tithing right now. I'm, I'm, what I'm preaching on is honoring God with your material resources. Okay, But this is what God has said and how he wants to be honored with your material resources. Okay, They have brought abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel, who dwelled in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of the holy things, which were consecrated to Yahweh. Okay, Drop down to verse 10. Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered Hezekiah and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of Yahweh, we have had enough sabah. We've been satiated to eat and have plenty, rav, abundantly more, left. For Yahweh has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. They had these heaps growing. They, the people were bringing it in. There was so much, they had heaps. Do you remember what happened in the days of Moses when he was asking people to bring for the tabernacle? They had to tell him to stop. Because they, they wanted to honor Yahweh with their material resources. When God is working, there is never a lack for his work. Does that make sense? got to fly. The promise is twofold not spending a lot of time here. It's pretty simple. So your barns will be what? Will be filled. Say that with me. So your barns will be filled. How many of you have a barn? You do have a barn back home? Oh, you guys got a barn. Is it a real barn or is it a shed? Oh, okay. You got a barn or a shed? It's called a pool barn. barn. Okay, good. Okay. Your barns will be filled with a satiating amount, plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, my mom would love that part, okay? And um, they, they used to make their own wine down in the, in the basement. And so um, she would just love the fact that it was happening, okay? And so, but those are promises. Now, again, most of us don't have a what? A barn. We don't live in a agrarian lifestyle, and we're not making our own wine. What does it mean? God's promising that he will always meet your what? Needs. Malachi 3. This is you realize this is the only place where God says, test me, tempt me, try me? Because it says in Galatians that we're not supposed to what? Tempt God. You know, hold him in contempt. But God says, this is one area. You can do it. Test me on this one. Try me on it. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says Yahweh Sabaoth. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for such you, on you such a blessing, there will be not room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer. God says, try me on it. Prove me on it. Bring me the first of this stuff, and I'll bless you. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Again, I don't have time to go through all this. You can read these. These are plenty of verses on here for you to look at. He who sows sparingly will also what? Reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God will make sure that that you always have enough resources to bless other people for every good work. He's not promising that you're going to have all enough so you can get all the greedy stuff that you want. He's going to bless you so you can bless others. As it is written, Psalm 112, verse 9, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness is endorsed forever. Now, I don't know about you, but so many times I've read that, and I've thought it's talking about god it's not talking about god it's talking about the righteous it's talking about us because here's psalm 112 we're going to look at it in context praise yahweh blessed is the man who fears yahweh who delights greatly in his commandments his descendants will be mighty on the earth the generation of the upright will be blessed wealth that's our word stuff right and riches that's money okay will be in his house in his righteousness endures forever Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion In righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affair with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in Yahweh. Who's the he? The righteous. The righteous. The one who, if you look at it, fears Yahweh. One who is fearing Yahweh is the righteous. What do we know about the righteous? He's not going to be afraid of evil. His heart's going to be steadfast, trusting in Yahweh, and he's going to be using the resources that God gave him to disperse to the poor. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. That's who's going to be dispersing to the poor. God called you to be a steward. Does he need you? No. Does he want you? Yes. Do you get it? That's the big deal. So God has blessed us each. Five talents, two talents, one talent. I don't know how many talents you got. I don't know how much resources you have. I stay out of the, the, the giving even part of it. I don't have no idea who gives what. I don't even want to know. So I can preach a mess like this and I don't have, I have no, no concern. Make sense? I sort of know what I give. Does that make sense? But I'm getting old, and so sometimes I even forget. So, um, but the reality is, I don't want to know, but you do. So, who or what is the priority in the use of your material resources? Would Yahweh accuse you of robbing him? Would your profit and loss statement be a testimony to your trust in Yahweh, or your trust in yourself? To whom do you look for wisdom and guidance in the distribution of the resources that God has entrusted you? Do you look to the world? Why? Who gave it to you? Real quick, very quick illustration. I was just sharing this with Justin the other day. Some of you know this. So, I haven't had a retirement account for many, many, many years. Seven kids, started the church. When we first started the church, we got $200 a month, $200 a week. I can't remember, it was very... Anyways, but God provided. God just continued. God told me back then, I don't have to give you money. I just have to meet your needs, is what my promise was. So at that point, we had a dentist that called us out of the blue. doesn't go to this church, you know, whatever. called us out of the blue and said, hey, you know, the Lord laid on our hearts to, to give free dental coverage to somebody, and he put a, put you guys on our heart. Would you guys accept free, free dental coverage? You know I have seven kids. Yeah. Well, praise God. And so, anyways, I, I won't go. Just, you, you get it, Okay. A couple years ago, about five years ago, six years ago, God put on my heart that it was time for me to put some money aside um, for retirement. Not a lot, but it was going to start the process. So I called every CPA I could find. I didn't. What did I do? If God was challenging me to do it, I started praying. And so I went to the internet, okay? But I was praying, Lord, lead me and guide me. And he did, Okay. And so you can talk to me later about it because I'm, I'm not a CPA and I don't want to share all that. But he led me to this one site that spoke to me and how I think and gave me all the details that I needed, all in one thing. I mean, you could look at who the account manager is. You can see where the account manager was in the past. You can see the other accounts that he's involved in, how those things did, whether they tanked, whether they didn't tank, how they grew, all this kind. Anyways, if you know me with my math side, this spoke to me. I mean, every, all the details were there. And I invested. All I can, I'm just going to share, I'm not going to share how much, okay, over a brief period of time. But a couple months ago, I took out into cash, because I can't do that because it's an IRA, right? I took out into cash the money I've invested. I have more money in the mutual funds than I have in the cash. Are you tracking what I'm saying? The money that's being still being invested is not money that I had when I put in. Now, I'm not, that's God. Do you get it? God can do that. Who are you trusting to guide you and direct you? If you're trusting in man, you'll get the results of man. If you're trusting in God and he wants you to do something, uh, being a steward of his funds, I felt like it was time that he wanted me to do that. So I did it. Finally then, is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, that you have provided for our needs And even our greeds. But God, you desire for us to be a steward of resources for your glory. Help us to be faithful in doing that, Lord. To distribute those resources, not for our own benefit or for our own glory, but for yours. Lord, I pray that if anybody is here today and that has not been a part of their life, Lord, that you would challenge them in it. And that they would this day lay it aside to you that they want to honor you as you want to be honored. To your glory, in Christ's name, amen.